from grain to glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. This is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. And I forgot the own, I was talking along with my own words and I forgot what they were. I've only listened to it 195 times now. <laughs> I was still jamming out to the intro music. Right, just, yeah. <laughs> All right, before we get too deep here, I uh, got to do the ad reads. The American Homebrewers Association does a lot of work to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. Joining the AHA will give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. All right. I want to give a shout out to our uh, patron, specifically our Black Belt patron, Andy Thompson. If you'd like to be as awesome as Andy and our other patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash studios and become a patron today. Uh, and if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, and you know you are, because Amazon is pretty much all of online shopping now, and it's kind of sad and terrible. But uh, if you want to stick it to the man, uh, click on our link first at blindestudios.com, and then they have to give us money, which definitely hurts them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, <clears throat> I mean... You think Amazon wants to give us money? I mean, Jeff Bezos, if you're looking for a show to sponsor, we'll... Uh... <laughs> NBD. No big. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then our 200th episode is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. If you guys have a favorite uh, homebrew-bound episode, please let us know. Drop us a line uh, somewhere on any of our social medias or email or whatever. Uh, and Or if you, there's just something that you want to ask us, or want us to talk about because we're gonna try to do like a fun show for, for the two hundredth. Personal questions. Oh no! <laughs> if you want to know how Brian gets his beard that luscious, oh, that's that's right. Very, uh... Which is something that only uh, live listeners know about is the beard because we don't talk about it much. No, we don't. <laughs> Maybe we should make more time for that. <laughs> uh, no. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Ryan, what have you been up to beer related lately? Beer related lately. Uh, I swear I I had meant to leave something for for this show from the last show. Uh, yeah, you said you said you did. Yeah, but now I can't remember what I don't know what it was. The hell it is. Uh, I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. So I've been um re uh lately like I've been kind of re exploring um the uh what what I what's the nice word uh, like the the like the the mass produced lagers? Oh, yeah. kind of like getting uh, like specifically like Corona and like are these two bottles of Modelo? Yeah, those uh, are there. Negra that are sitting there. Yep. Um, just like because I I went straight from like college drinking to craft beer, uh, and right. so I never really had. And then like I hit these, and first of all, they're cheap everywhere, which I'm really enjoying. Um, Corona out of the can tastes completely different than Corona out of the bottle. Because <laughs> it's probably it's not, made at a different facility. And it's yeah, well, and it's not like skunked at all. Yeah, there's that and it's too. Pretty good. I mean, it's still better with lime because lime juice is yummy on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's been an, an interesting experience. I'm still not gonna grab one of those over a craft beer nine times out of ten. Right. But when I had, uh, you know, when, when I'm, like, chowing down on a burrito or a taco, I'm going to reach for a Corona. Like, it's just what I'm going to do now. All right, Brian, what about you, man? Uh, 
I can't remember if I mentioned this, but we made a uh, a beer, a wheat fruited wheat beer, but instead of water for the mash, we used sap, maple sap. You did that last year with a beer yeah, too, right? Yeah, but last year it was like a like a. Yeah, that was another malt room beer where we oh, got you just, yeah we got the sap and we were like oh crap what do we have in the malt room when did you guys make that one this new one uh, the new one uh, oh I don't know a while ago it's mm-hmm. just that it didn't get released until fairly recently okay so it's it's uh, uh, it's been a week so I need to give you more shit for not bringing beer down to the podcast oh shit that's right <laughs> once again uh, this was my fault because I forgot to remind you right it is your fault. No, what we did was in literally used maple sap, not maple syrup, um, for the mash water, uh, and then did f- three different types of fruit, fruited puree situations, and then one unfruited because it's a good beer unfruited. What uh, what, what are the fruits that you used? Uh, so one of them was like a a berry mix, like a mixed berry. Okay. Uh, one was mango, and one was passion fruit. Ooh. So, uh, so do you do you have somebody that you source your purees from, or are you yeah, just getting in the brewery? No, we just buy it from Amaretti. Okay, because the pure the puree is there's not you know if you did it in the brewery there'd be like you know plenty of chunks and stuff. Um, if you've ever put fruit into into fermenting wort or fermented wort, uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny because like it the color will leach out of the fruit mm-hmm. and then it just looks like fruit from another planet <laughs> it looks gross it does <laughs> it looks nasty super weird uh so we we just went with the amaretti puree um it's it's good stuff i mean there's a few there are a few companies out there that you can get purees from but we okay. do we do a good business like good amount of business with amaretti um so, yeah, so that came out, and we've been doing, like, a flight of four. So the, the three fruited ones and the unfruited one in, a, like, a flight. Well, so I just realized I don't make it down to Hop and Barrel enough because I keep <laughs> missing all of these releases. All the interesting things. Right. Yep. Well, damn. Gotta keep that it sounds f- really cool. Fresh. Gotta keep it fresh. Gotta fresh. keep it fresh. Well, we have a syrup guy, you know, so. Oh, you guys got a syrup guy? You guys syrup got a syrup guy? guy? I'm not gonna is it, uh, is it the Sugar Shack guy? No, no, Maple Creek. Oh, Maple Creek. The uh, Wood- Woodbridge Township. <laughs> you guys, uh, the Just, local breweries, should get all their syrup guys to fight each other yeah, in like yeah. a syrup pit. Yeah, like they, you tie one hand together and then in the other hand you got the, like a, a maple syrup. <laughs> maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. <that's> awesome. <laughs> I'd watch it just I because would, I, I would I, totally watch that. Because <laughs> now I'm really curious as to what would actually happen, and it's a whole thing. In this corner. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, well, we got we got a kind of a lot to talk about today, don't we? And a lot of technical yeah. shit. Should we get into that? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of, like, surface scratching, and there's going to be some kind of technical biology things happening. Yeah. Um, a lot of terms getting thrown around. Yep. And we're going to do our best to explain what we can mm-hmm. and uh, hand wave what we can. Right. Uh, you, you guys have been listening to the show for a while. You understand how we work. <laughs> yep. All right. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're continuing our, um, our, our yeast uh, discussion. And we're diving into part one of yeast biology. Um. And like I, know, I was calling it yeast basics, but it's mostly bi- biology and mm-hmm. what it does with different things. And 
uh, it's, it's it's the part of brewing that makes you feel like, you know how like you, you dive into different things like water, you feel like a little bit of like a chemist. Um, when you're doing malt, that's like where you can like uh, let your uh, let your artistry fly a little bit. Plus, you know, plus pH and stuff. So you got you got some of that. Uh, yeast is microbiology. Like then you like that's when you put your your little biologist hat on. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have a hat for every occasion no, when I'm when I'm doing chemistry. You've been on a NASA hat kick for for a while. I like this hat, the NASA hat, for months. Yeah, since the sun came out. Yep, you're usually wearing the cap. The yeah, I gotta get a, I gotta get a, a summer weather flat summer, cap. Summer summer flat cap. Yep, <laughs> but th- you also can't put your sunglasses on top of a flat cap. They That's just kind of fall off. Also true. And then I don't know what to do with my sunglasses because it it feels douchey to put them on the front of my shirt. Yeah. Yeah, and like. I hate it when the people like they they take the sunglasses and like put them on the back. Oh of their yeah, head. no. See, that's more douchey to me than clipping <laughs> them in the front. I have to, I have to clip them in the front because if I put them up on my head, they'll get tangled in my hair. So <laughs> <laughs> then, then your hair gets sunglasses. Yeah, adds U, U, UV protection for the scalp. That's yeah, that's true. All right. So why do we need to understand yeast biology, Brian? Why? Why? I mean, I, you don't. Okay. <laughs> and what are we doing here? Let's go home. I don't know. Just uh, throw some yeast and All some right. water and just mix it together. And you just make some beers. Whatever. Why? Why do we need to understand? Well, I don't know. I mean, it helps It helps us to understand why our beer has crappy off flavors. Why is there a butter precursor? Or why is there, like, a buttery flavor? Why is there... Um, you know, why is it so boozy? Like, why this? Why that? Well, it'll give you. It, it gives you, uh, yeah, it gives you the tools to diagnose what's wrong with exactly your beer. I would say the majority of the time that the beer has off flavors, it has to do with the yeast. Yeah, it's probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Something, something going on in the fermentation. All right, so let's talk about the structure of the yeast. Oh. Ooh, fancy structure. All right. So um, a lot of this information came from the yeast book. I can't like I love this book. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's part of the it's part of like the what what is what's the series? It's like the Brewing Basics Brewing Elements Brewing series. Elements. Yes. Uh, if you don't have these books, buy them. Yep. Um, like they will help you make better beer. I'd say the on the first read through, there's gonna there's gonna be a few things that are gonna be over your head, but you know, keep on. Plugging along and rereading and reading ancillary material, they got plenty yeah. of source material in the back. Because um, yeah, I will have I have to say I don't know I can't remember when this book came out, but I'm certain that uh, let's see here in the book it says 2010, so and, nine years ago, right? And so nine years ago when I first read this book, it was a lot of it was just over my head. And we have Casey's copy here in the studio, but if we had had my copy. It'd be falling apart, dog this, it, it is quite uh, picked through, but a th- kind of a funny thing, and I try to underline stuff in pencil because there are a lot of times when I start reading these books and I'm like, oh, this seems important, and I'll underline something, and then I'll go back later and reread and be like, you dolt, why did you underline this? this <laughs> you is, dum-dum. This didn't mean anything. So, yeah, I don't know. Underline in pencil, reread frequently, read read other stuff. So. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, the like the the outside the cell wall mm-hmm. is is the like the first barrier of the thing. It's thick, mostly carbohydrate barrier that surrounds the cell. Um, so and when reproducing or or cloning, because yeast clones like uh, it's uh, is it 
mitosis is mm-hmm. the yep where the cell splits. Haploid, diploid. Haploid, diploid. <laughs> you carry out. You you carry out. <laughs> Stop saying words. You carry out the groceries. <laughs> Um, like it, it'll leave a, uh, a scar on the wall called a bud scar. Um, not really super important for what we're talking about. It's not important, the bud scars, but it is kind of, <laughs> kind of cool to look yeah. at the cells under a microscope and see all of the, you can see how many times that's, that, that cell has reproduced. Yeah. So. Eventually they, you know, get old and die and then yeah. are used as food. So, so um, from what I was reading, a cell will only clone itself a few times during a typical fermentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has like an upper limit, like in just normal life of about 30. Right. In labs, you can get it to go about double that. You know what? Something obvious that we sort of have forgotten is the the reuse of yeast. Uh, we haven't forgotten. We just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, yep. you, I mean, if you're home brewing at home and you got a, <clears throat> a fermenter that's got a big fat yeast cake on the bottom. You can just pitch right in. You just that. rack beer right on top of it, you know, and uh, sanitize and however you yep. are aerating, that'll get the yeast going again and just reuse it. It's kind of neat. Yeah, it's super cool. And then you can wash the yeast. You can mm-hmm. create slants from that and rebuild up a colony. Yep. Like if you really wanted to, you could get it to the where you don't have to buy yeast very often anymore. Right. There's a few breweries that literally just you have been using the same pitch, but um, growing a little more every time because you're gonna lose some every time. Um, Yes, yeah, so you have to repopulate yep. and stuff. But uh, there's a there's a shelf life on like I heard it was something like if if you let like a single one like go like it's like it's something like seven or ten generations you start to lose something like that. And then there's also the nature of a like a a, a sweet spot too, where the third generation oh yeah that's the best one you know. Um, but then again, there are breweries like what Laosh at Lazy Monk. I'm certain that he's you know. 30 something generations in but he's adding but it's all from an original pitch so anyway moving on yeah yeah that's something that we'll we'll talk about down the road because that's that's a super interesting aspect of yeast yep um all right so yeah so just inside of the cell uh cell wall you have the plasma membrane uh it's a semi-permeable membrane made of lipids sterols and proteins between the cell wall and the inside of the cell um, and so this is this is one of the first uh, bits where we hit an issue um, where you could potentially cause off flavors if you don't treat your yeast right and something happens to this layer of the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, uh, this this plasma membrane is it's fluid, it's like squishy. Right. Um, Stuff it, can go in and out of it. Yes. <laughs> per- Semi permeable. Um, in order to maintain this, the yeast needs access to the proper amount of oxygen. Um, so bad aeration, especially like at the beginning of the fermentation, uh, can lead to off flavors and then a stuck fermentation. If it doesn't have enough oxygen to keep this, to, to allow stuff in and out. So yeah, there's lipids and proteins, and then the key little term or word in here is sterols, and then what I was talking about earlier is the sterol synthesis. Yes. So when, you know, the oxygen interacts with the sterols it causes the colony to grow oh so that's that's the trigger that's the mm-hmm. okay yep 
So, okay. So, yeah. So, the, and yeah. So, this membrane also allows, or yeah, the reason it's so squishy and malleable and permeable is because this is also where it splits. Well, also, another aspect to this is I kind of like to think about it as uh, say, say you've got, uh, you know, a, a beer in each hand. Okay. All right. But you want, so you, you can take that beer and you can drink it. Gulp, 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 you gulp, can, gulp. In the one on your right hand, and then you can take the one on your left hand, you can drink gulp, that. Gulp, gulp, gulp. But what if you're a greedy bastard and you want a third beer? You only have two arms. Oh, no. So you have to take one of those beers, put it outside of your cell wall, and take that beer and pull it into your cell wall. Now you can drink it. All right. All right. But then you're going to drink that beer. It's going to be gone. And you're going to be like, oh, shit, I oh, have no. that other beer. Let me go grab that again. Whoop. So basically what I'm saying is that yeast, though... We just made the best YouTube video. (laughs) (laughs) What yeast like to do a lot of times, like when we're talking, we'll get into the diacetyl rest part, is a lot of times they like to push stuff out of their cells so they can pull other things in and do things with them and then kick them out and then suck the bad things back in, like diacetyl, for example. So that's why you do the D-rest, Yeah, is to kick that out. Uh, this, this, this is a little, uh, little off. Well, I mean, it's yeast based. So, mm-hmm. um, how much truth is there to like after after you hit terminal gravity, you should let the yeast still do its thing for a few days to clean up bad stuff? Yes. Okay. Yep. Don't don't pull, don't pull the yeast. Don't stop. Don't ever stop fermentation. Don't ever pull the beer off the yeast prematurely. Like those. Yes. Are- well, no, but even even after after you hit terminal. Mm-hmm. Let it sit for a few days or even a week at the homebrew level and just, yep. like, let it clean up and you'll get a cleaner beer. Yep. Agreed. Plus more stuff will drop out of the... Yeah. Drop out and you'll get way. a clearer beer. Mm-hmm. Unless too. you're one of those haze people. Whatever. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. So then we have the uh, the spot in my notes where my numbering got off, apparently. And we have the cytoplasm. So the cytoplasm is this big, gooey area... Like, that's pretty much the rest of the cell and everything, like, all the cells, like, organs sit inside of it. Um, so, like, the cyto, uh, so the cytoplasm is everything inside the plasma uh, membrane except the nucleus. Um, and this contains cytosol. And cytosol is our friend. Cytosol is the best. Cytosol contains enzymes needed for anaerobic fermentation. Enzymes are nature's catalysts. That was deep, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Without enzymes, fermentation would take uh, months, a year. (laughs) Forever. Forever. How can I I have something, have more of something that I haven't had yet? (laughs) (laughs) You're killing me, Smalls. I know, right? (laughs) All right. Um, yeah. So uh, cytosol allows the cell to convert glucose to energy, uh, but also allows uh, the production of alcohol. Without cytosol, we have nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then we have the mitochondria, um, which is a double membrane organ where ana- where aerobic respiration takes place. And so we're going to toss around the terms anaerobic and aerobic. Brian, do you want to define those for me? Yeah. Anaerobic is without air. Aerobic is with air and they actually even just say like aerobic respiration um anaerobic fermentation uh you get that a lot more with um bacteria like like there's atp and adenine triphosphate it's like a pink slime 
that develops. Like uh, like it, Ghostbusters 2? Yeah, and it covers <laughs> it covers everything with a pink slime, and then under it, it, it goes anaerobic, and that's when it can start making its nasty business happen. All right. So... Um, yeah, so uh, mitochondria convert uh, pyruvate to CO2 and water. Pyruvate is another thing that we're going to be talking about in a little bit, so remember that word, and we'll kind of dig into that in a little bit here. Um, cells with unhealthy mitochondria, or petite mutants, create off flavors such as phenols and diacetyl. So, um, yeah, so mitochondria is another thing that you want to keep healthy. Uh, and you can, and one way to do that is like, there's, we're going to talk about that. The Crabtree effect makes it so they're never like the mitochondria aren't really ever activated fully. And so you don't really have to worry about it too much, but if, um, oxygen is added at a bad time, it'll activate those. And if they're underdeveloped, then you're going to get diacetyl production. All right, so then you have the vacuole, which we don't really care about because, <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't. Uh, Screw uh, you, vacuole. It's it's a membrane-bound structure that stores nutrients and breaks down proteins. So it's there. It keeps the cell alive. It's great, but eh, it's a thing. Uh, same thing with the endoplasmic uh, reticulum. It's a network of membranes where cell manufactures proteins, lipids, and carbohydrates. Uh, brewer's yeast has very, very small endoplasmic reticulums, hmm. um, which is something I learned. Lovely. All right. So that's that's kind of where, where the cell is. So if you ever did, like, that sixth-grade diagram or the thing, like, I think I made my, my cell model out of Jell-O. Um, did you ever do that in, like, in like, uh, like, middle school biology where you had to, like, build a cell? With, uh, with like, household items or whatever. I went to a school in a bad neighborhood. So you didn't have Jell-O? No. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right. Never mind, then. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I mean, we had Jell-O, but no, I, we never got to make a cool cell thing like that. Oh, okay. No. All right. Um, yeah, so, but that's, that's kind of what, what it looks like. Um, yeah, if you look like, if you look up a cell, they all kind of look the same. They just have different, just a little different bits. All right, so now we're going to dive into the metabolism of the cell, which is, or of the yeast cell, which is kind of where, where the magic happens. Um, when we're talking about, like, the, the rate that it'll ferment and stuff, that's kind of the metabolism. So... First, uh, first, the cells utilize their glycogen uh, reserves and any available oxygen to revitalize the membranes for optimal permeability and transfer of nutri- nutrients and sugars. So this is right when you pitch that that yeast into the uh, into the wort. It's first first thing it's going to do. It's going to use up any reserves to like like it's like all right, it's feasting time. Let's get ready for this. Like it's getting itself into fighting shape, ready to go. Um, then they go after the sugars in the wort, starting with the simplest of the sugars, which is like your glucose, your glucose, your fructose, your sucrose. Um, those are those are the first three they're going to be eaten. You're finding the finding the spot, Brian. Yep, yep. Okay. There we go. All right, we got her. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a dense set of notes. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, yeah. And I was paging through that yeast book. Well, too. you know, it's it's a good it's book. A good book. 
there's a lot of stuff. So yeah, so kind of like we're last last uh, last episode we were talking a little bit about the sugars, and we've been talking a lot about sugars in the malts, mm-hmm. uh, in the malt section that we've been kind of going through. And this is where this is like metabolism is where it's really like getting into it. So the simple sugars that you were talking about. Well, we talked about enzymes too, as far as malting goes. If there weren't enzymes that were carried in the husk of the malt, it would yep. break down the sugars in the in the proper uh, chain Chains. sizes that we need. So yeah. So um, like, let's go back to your double IPA re- uh, recipe or yep. example. Mm-hmm. So. We, we have the sugars from the malt, but we want to thin it out, so we add in simple sugars um, in the form of... Table de- sugar, table sugar, which is sugar, dextrose. corn sugar, yeah. Yeah. All right, so dextrose, I, I don't remember what the chain uh, for dextrose is now. Um, I didn't even... I, that, I'm making this up as I go along, that, that part of it anyway. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so dextrose gets broken down into, I want to say it's glucose and sucrose. I believe so. Um, I think so. I, yeah, Brian's going to work on doing that. So, uh, so those are the first three that'll be eaten. Um, and then it gets to maltose and then finally, uh, maltotriose. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. All right. Uh, so too much glucose can hinder maltose and maltotriose consumption because those are at the end. Like, those are the most complex of the simple sugars, which sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it is what it is. So if you have too much uh, glucose, um, it can kind of stall out your fermentation because it'll only eat all the simple sugars. And then it'll be like, nah, we're full, we're good, mm-hmm. and it won't want to eat anything else. Um, all brewer's yeast can consume maltose, but not all can consume maltotriose. So when we're doing um, different rests and stuff in the mash, and like how we're like, and so like under under modified malt, if I understand this uh, correctly, will create a lot more maltotriose than maltose. Mm-hmm. And so when we're doing different like our protein rests and acid rests and stuff, that's to break down some of that maltotriose into maltose. And some of the other uh, simpler sugars like glucose and fructose and sucrose. Um, there's a lot of oses. I'm sorry if you guys are <laughs> listening to this and it's not quite getting there. Uh, again, check out this yeast book. It's fantastic. Or just like do some do some reading on your own. Um, so that's so that's the sugars. So metabolism is the yeast eating all the sugars, getting getting what they can, um, and then aerobic growth takes place during this initial pitch as well because there's still like we were in an oxygen rich environment we just uh you know shoved a ton of oxygen in here whether through an o2 stone or shaking the fermenter or splashing stuff around so you're gonna see this huge big amount of cell growth um and like super efficient sugar consumption the more oxygen it has the faster and easier it'll eat these sugars, especially these super simple sugars like glucose and fructose and sucrose. But then oxygen goes away. Um, I read that in a typical fermentation, your oxygen supplies will be pretty much depleted after 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like it'll just take it all out. Yep. It wants um, to grow and it wants to <clears throat> wants to consume. Yep, and then you're going into that anaerobic uh, growth, and it's slower, 
but it's better because we get alcohol. Right. So it's the magic growth. And that brings us to the alcohol um, uh, part of our part of our uh, discussion today. Man, there's a lot of sciencey words in here. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Brian, do you want to talk for a minute so I can drink some beer? Yes, <laughs> I can. I can certainly do that. <clears throat> so we're into the alcohol, the two-step process. So when we talked about pyruvate earlier, yeah, about an hour ago. Right. So glu- <laughs> So the glucose is is uh is processed into pyruvate and that's uh pyruvitic acid. Uh so it's it's a key piece in like several different metabolic uh pathways throughout a cell. Uh it can be made from gluco- glucose through glycolysis. Uh, and converted back into carbohydrates like glucose, etc. But uh, what we're looking for here is for the glucose to to uh, get processed into pyruvate, and the pyruvate uh, to get processed into alcohol. Um, so specifically it's, ethanol. Specifically ethanol, exactly. Um, so one molecule of glucose breaks down into two molecules of pyruvate, which then are used to provide further energy and. You know, to make ethanol in our situation here with brewer's yeast. Um, so then back to the notes. Uh, basically, yeah, just glucose to pyruvate, pyruvate to ethanol. Uh, it occurs in the cytoplasm with cystazol. Cytosol, I think I... Oh, you got her spelled wrong. Yeah, I yep. think I knew that too. What the hell? Yeah. Anyway, uh, not all pyruvate is turned into ethanol. Some become CO2 and water, which is completely fine. Uh CO2 is just another gas. It'll off gas. Um, and, and if it turns into water, that's... that's We already have water, already have water there, in so. there anyway. Um, it only produces ethanol under two conditions. Now, we're talking about high sugar levels uh, and very low oxygen levels. So when we talk about one of the conditions being high sugar levels... Uh, wort is sugar water. It's super heavy with sugar, like all different kinds of chains. Uh, so that that works out for us to turn pyruvate into ethanol. Uh, condition number two, very low oxygen levels. So that's you know you run that balance of getting you know getting your uh, your colony to uh, through sterile synthesis become larger, and then. With the very low oxygen levels, levels you can go anaerobic and start creating alcohol. Uh, so then, yeah, moving on to the crab tree effect. So this crab tree effect I found really interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a hack. So it's I mean, so we 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 uh, we hit one of the conditions. We have a high sugar level when we're brewing, right? When we're initially brewing, we have a high sugar level, but we also have an oxygen rich environment. Mm-hmm. So the crab tree effect uh, basically says as long as we're over 0.4% glucose in the solution, it'll still act like an anaerobic reaction. That's insane because 0.4 is not very is, much. Yeah, and I mean we're we're probably sitting at. Well, no, so that, but that's that's just glucose. Well, right. Not not any oh, of the other no, sugars. Right, right, got yep. it, got it. Yeah, yep. so just glucose. Um, so that like that's that's. And that's super important to brewing 
because we don't ever want the yeast to really like an initial burst of aerobic acid or of an aerobic is fine but the anaerobic is what we want like right. we want that constantly because it's still gonna the yeast is still gonna reproduce it's still gonna do its thing we're just making it work harder and it hates to work hard yeast are lazy I said it yeah. before they just want to eat and party and yep. poop and then go to sleep so yeah, so um, basically the crab-free effect is if there's a high enough concentration of glucose, even in the presence of oxygen, yeast produce ethanol. Um, so yeah, so fermentation, uh, this with, with the crab-free effect always creates ethanol, even with oxygen present. Um, and so then you run into the issue of like why, why we, we always talk about oxidation and how it's bad, but nobody ever talks about why it's bad. We just know it's bad because <laughs> oxidation's bad, okay? Well, no, that's but that's what it is. Like we always we always hear, you know, you don't want to introduce oxygen into your beer. You don't want to like it. It'll produce off flavors. That's that is why. like the hardest part on a tour uh, when you're giving a tour and you show them the brew house and they see your heat exchanger and then a big giant oxygen tank, and you're like. Oxygen's bad, okay, but except for except for this except one for this spot. One spot. So <laughs> it's just that's that's the nature of brewing. Like it's like oh, it's, that's fine, except for this. Except for this. So the reason it's bad um, is because off flavors from activated metabolic pathways. We remember when we were talking about the mitochondria earlier. Mm-hmm. Those uh, those delightful uh, aerobic uh, respirator yep. organs. Yep. Those are bad. Those are bad, okay. So um, those will be activated in the, uh, in the cell, and ethanol, uh, and that will, like, push out, like, that diacetyl that'll push out. Because if it's been in a ro- an anaerobic um, reaction, or in that state for so long, like, those are shriveled up and blech. 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 Um, and so, and then also, your ethanol will oxidize into acetaldehyde. That yeah, that's not good. And that is your green apple mm-hmm. nastiness. That and that one's a tough one to pick up too. Uh, can be uh, for some people. I don't know if I'm sensitive. I don't know. I'd have to do the tasting. I was looking. We got we got to do that. We again. should do an off flavored exam. I was I was thinking about again. doing it for the 200th, but I can't get it here in enough time. And it's all right. and yeah, we got we got to talk too because I think you can get a discount on them, and then I can just give you money. Yep. So <laughs> we figured that one out. Yeah, I could get dis- I can get your discounts on a lot of shit. I know. <laughs> I do like getting discounts. We get on it's shit. funny, we the the amount of samples you get from malt and hop companies, you could brew a five gallon batch with them half the time. Uh and those aren't coming my way for why? Who's getting those? Huh? Huh? Everybody but you. I just need to be more cognizant about snapping them up at the brewery. <laughs> Big boxes with samples in in them, and and I wonder half the time where they go to. But it, I don't know the brewers. The brewers just I don't yeah. Know, it, they they can have that stuff. I had my time taking all that stuff. If I oh, yeah. if I find stuff, I'll take it. But it's, well, no, and they need they for research. Though why the hell are they? Are, well, I, I don't know. I I just look at it as the brewers bust their ass. Like I I yeah. sit on my ass at a desk all day. Racket racking my brain and trying to run a brewery and so here, do the here's hard work. Like kind of like I mean we're we're kind of tangent towards, towards towards the end of here, but I have another tangent. Like I want to go on. So when you started brewing like professionally, did you still homebrew at home? Absolutely yes. When did you stop? Um, 
Like, where is there a point where you're like, I don't want to work at When home? I was actually um, working five days a week, eight hours a day in a brewery, because the first pro brewing job I had... Was the, American Sky the first? Yeah, the okay. the brewery was so small that I I was I maybe had two or three days of work, and then had you know two or maybe three days of the tap room. It just kind of depended, and I well they were only giving me like six smack packs to do a All fifteen right, we, barrel batch. We could do an entire episode with voice modulation and stuff, talking about the things that they did wrong there. But. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be where I am without that. Without experience. learning that bullshit, like learning how to prop, you know, six smack packs into a fifteen barrel pitch. Sit in the kitchen. Uh, the the kiddie pool came into play a lot of times. <laughs> that, you, I don't know if you guys know what a demijohn is, but it's like well, it's like a big ass. It's like a fifteen gallon. It's like an old school wine wine fermenter, fermenter, right? Yeah, I had two demijohns, and I would watch a movie, and I'd have one, one in my right hand and one in my left hand, and I would rock them to oxygenate <laughs> oxygenate them to like in fifteen minute cycles to prop this yeast up. Um, and more times than not, I was actually just making wort for food in in the garage. So I'd have like a big pot, and I'd just be cooking like like LME or DME, and then be propping yeast. Um, so a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of that. Okay. But yeah, I think once it was once it was like the full time situation, you know. And then at the time, I had been I was moving, and the idea of trying to move all of this stuff into another third floor walk up because um, when I was in Uptown I was on the third floor all my brewing equipment was, in, equipment was in the basement and I have to drag it all the way all up from the basement into the garage brew and get it all back down there so I mean it makes for so, yeah you know if you don't have your equipment in place it makes for <clears throat> a really big pain in the ass to just be moving it around all the time and in any case yeah so probably within six months I had stopped home brewing, but um, you know we brewed on pilot systems at Lucid a bunch, too, and that was uh, about a half barrel you'd brew at a time. Okay, and that was so. just like fun shit that you guys wanted to try out. And- yeah, it was mostly kind of experimenting with sours at the time, just trying to see how those worked. Because I mean, again, like, there's a lot of good books now, but back back in the day, there really weren't. Yeah, back in the day, we're talking like what, five years. <laughs> five ago. years ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Five, six. Like, think about it. this yeast book came out nine yeah. years ago. No, it's it's insane. Like the um, the amount of information available to a brewer now. Well, and it was to, it wasn't in layman's terms like this kind of. Yeah. You know, I mean, this gets over my head sometimes, but. You know, the, the some of the older books that you read are very technical. Yeah, well, and if you want to examine some of that, uh, go look some of the papers that people are publishing on hops or mm-hmm. yeast or malt. Like, oh yeah, I'm a member of the Master Brewers Association of America, and they um, catalog all of the technical papers for brewing, and they're way over my head. Most of them. I mean, you can you can apply real life situations to them, but there's there's a lot of technicality, so. All right. Yeah, anyway. so that was a tangent that we went on. Good. It was a fun right. tangent. It was. It was a good one. All right. Um. So in the next episode, we're going to be diving a little bit more into 
uh, or we're going to be finishing out like yeast biology and some of these these aspects that happen uh, as processes of the yeast life cycle is kind of what we're doing. So we're going to be talking about uh, flocculation is a big word that gets thrown around. We're going to talk about why some of that stuff happens. We're going to be talking about esters. We're going to be talking about phenol or we're going to be talking about stuff. It's going to be fun. We're going to be talking. Uh, yeah, but I think, you know, 40 minutes of us throwing just all this stuff at you is probably too much. Yeah. So we're going to give you guys a break until next week. So that means I get to play some of this outro Press music. a button. <laughs> and we get to get out of here and then do another show that's not this. And we get to actually have, like, we, we don't actually have to think about anything important. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindstudios.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindstudios or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>